Praise God. Give pastor a good hand clap. Amen. Isn't it good to have a good man of God in the house? Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray, everybody, shall we? Father, we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name for your great name. Who is man that you should be mindful of him, the psalmist said. We say, who are we that you, Lord Jesus, should fill us with your spirit, protect us with your angels, put your word in us, answer us when we cry. Thank you, Lord, for the greatness of your wisdom. Thank you for the perfection of your scriptures. We open, Lord Jesus, not only this word today, but our heart to it, to receive the uncompromised, incorruptible seed of the word of God. We give you praise and glory for it today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Go ahead and be seated if you would, please. Hallelujah. Uh, Let's get right into the scriptures. Turn with me to Acts chapter 7. I want to talk about the helps ministry some this morning. Um, I did bring some CDs with me. They are not singing CDs, so they're safe. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. God loves you more than that. <laughs> Praise God. Um, but I just tell you about one. Now, I ask, you're going to Acts chapter 7, and if you're good uh, and you can do it, go to Exodus chapter 2 as well. Acts 7, Exodus 2. Um, Guys, if you can't figure it out, ask your wives because they can do about a million things at once. Amen. My wife, I said, we're out of ketchup. She's in the other room. No, it's not left-hand side of the fridge. Move something around. Just go outside. Leave me alone. Hallelujah. Uh, To me, if if I'm eating and using the remote, that's multitasking. Praise God. She can do about a million things at once. Exodus 2, Acts 7. Here's my CD challenge real quick. I just call this a Ministry of Helps Leadership Challenge. You know, um, what I do all the time is travel in and out of churches and talk about the Ministry of Helps. It's kind of the assignment the Lord's given me. But I found that every Moses needs his Aaron and her. There are no lone rangers. Even Jesus himself needed the twelve. Elijah needed Elisha. There's nobody that I can find scripturally that can stand alone without people, men and women around them who are just as dedicated as what they are. They're just not called to the five-fold ministry, as we say. But every pastor knows they need them. Amen? How about this one? Jesus had a lady named Joanna choose his wife who supported his ministry. We don't hardly talk about her. She kept them going and fed in between assignments, and as he kept going, she was his greatest partner that we can find. I wonder how many rewards in heaven, Pastor, she'll get for helping us all hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? God doesn't forget anybody. God remembers everybody. But in my leadership challenge, I just have a word. If you're in a department head or you'd like to be in leadership sometime, um, that's a challenge that I have for you. Now, on my CD table, I ask $7 for my CDs. If you say, Brother Ray, I don't have $7, I have 4 then I now ask $4 for my CDs. <laughs> because the goal is to get the Word of God into your heart and into your life. Amen. God will take care of me. I'll be just fine. Now, if I find you next week on the Internet selling them for fourteen ninety-five, <laughs> you and I are going to have a discussion. Amen. Because they are copyrighted. Hallelujah. I'm sowing to you. I would appreciate you doing it back, not going out and... Hallelujah. Say, I got me a revelation from the brother. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's get into the scriptures here. Um, Let's pick it up 
at verse 20. It says, and at this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God. And he was brought up in his father's house for three months. Now we know that's not his biological, oh, sorry, that's his biological father temporarily. And, but he was set out, uh, when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son, 22. And Moses, this is one of our foundation verses. Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptian and Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. I want to, as we read today, I'm going to kind of take four verses and pull them out. We're going to kind of like cornerstones, right? Top, bottom, top, bottom, left, right. That's one of them. Moses was learned in all the ways and the wisdom of the Egyptians, mighty in words and deeds. Skip down with me, if you would, to verse 25. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. Isn't that something? He thought they would get it. I'm here to help you. But they didn't get it, that he was there to help them. Exodus chapter 2. Says, verse 16, it says, Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. Heaven help him. The priest of Midian had seven daughters. And they came and they drew water. And they, were, they filled the troughs of water through their through their father's flock, 17. But the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them, and he watered their flocks. 16 is our third verse that I want to bring to your attention. He was now the priest of Midian. He didn't end up just anywhere. He ended up in the priest home. Then in chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he was led the flock to the backside of the desert. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him. That's our four verses. Moses is learned in the ways of Egypt. He goes to his brethren. They don't understand what he's there for. He ends up out in Midian, which is way outside of downtown Egypt. Over, over the border, and he's, he's out there in what I would call the desert, the sticks. And he ends up in this preacher's home. And then he ends up taking care of that preacher's sheep and feeding the flock. Amen? That's our four verses. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for this wonderful church, these great people that have come. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you know the, the need of every person, the call of every person. And you know the future of every man, woman, and child that will hear this. We open our lives, Lord Jesus, to you, and we submit our futures to you. Give you praise for it in Jesus' name. So Moses comes along. He's born. His mother has to kind of ditch him, for lack of a better phrase, you know, to protect him, keep him alive. She takes him, wraps him in this, this basket, covers it with, tight, with tar, pitch we would call it, and puts him down in the Nile River. How desperate do you, there's, there's snakes in that river. There's crocodiles in that river. There's every kind of poisonous thing, nasty spider you can think of. How desperate do you have to be that this is the best option you have today? And even in that situation, in her desperation, God began to move and to bring good things. I want to encourage you today, especially if you're a single mom today, don't ever give up the ship. Amen. 
Whatever's going on in your desperation, God will still help you no matter what's happened to you and what people have done to you. Can you say amen? amen. Probably be good for you to talk to Miss Annette. She has a great, you know, I like in talking, she has a great backbone. She is one determined lady. Amen. You want to know God, walk with God. You need to get around her a little bit. Praise God. She's got some faith walking in her. You can tell. Praise the Lord for it. Not everybody does, but she does. So that's Moses. God calls him to deliver these people. And so he starts in. He tries. And in trying, he kills somebody. Now, that's a funny way to start a church. (laughs) We won't ask Pastor Justin if he started this church that way. Hallelujah. We... Just leave things alone, Brother Ray. Don't go there. Amen. But in doing all of that, he has to run for his life. And he goes out there and he meets Jethro, who's a priest in Midian. He has seven daughters who are taking care of the sheep. I would consider that man's work. Um, You call me old school all you want. I believe the man ought to be a man. Hallelujah. And don't make me guess what you are. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to preach the Bible. I don't care what society does. Amen. Amen. Don't go there with me. I've been, this Bible changed my whole life. I'm not changing for society now. Hallelujah. I taught my, my son to stand when a woman came in the room. I taught him to honor his mother. I taught him to talk with respect and take care of his sister. Hallelujah. I taught my, my daughter to act like a lady. I didn't teach her to act like my son. I don't want her to act like my son. God doesn't want her to act like my son. Don't take me there. Praise God. Amen. Put some calluses on those hands. Dear God in heaven. Hallelujah. Teach the boy to spit. Praise God. Killing me, Smalls. Wow. Anyways, we go back to the Bible. Amen. Are we all right? Me and you will have church today. I'm Ray. Hallelujah. Nice to meet you. Amen. I, I like a little testosterone. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Anyways, back to the verses. Back to the verses. Moses has got this call, but when he goes to do it, it blows up in his face. He can't make it gel. You can say it's not the timing of the Lord, but that doesn't seem to be the case. Seems to be Moses isn't ready for the assignment. He just has the assignment. Just because you're commissioned to do something, called to do something, doesn't mean the grace or the anointing is on you yet to do it. But he tries to initiate it. In doing that, then he ends up out here with Jethro, and he begins to take care of the sheep. And out there, he finds the power of God. The Bible says he has all the wisdom of the Egyptians, but all the wisdom of the world can't teach you how to walk with God. All of that wisdom kind of almost got in his way versus the anointing of the Holy Spirit that would come on him out there in that that simple desert doing helps ministry. It looks like a funny Bible school. Serving, giving, working vacuuming. But out there, this great man of God who was about to crush Pharaoh's army without firing a shot, all from his prayer closet. You know where his Bible school is? Taking care of his pastor. Being a blessing to the sheep. 
And out there, where sometimes you can feel so forgotten, does anybody see my sacrifice? Can anybody see what I'm going through? It seems like your dream is so far away. All the while, God is getting you ready for what he wants you to do. Egypt couldn't get Moses ready for the ministry. It took a Jethro to build a Moses. It took an Elijah to build an Elisha. It took a Paul to make a Timothy and a Titus. If you want to be a man of God, you better find a man of God. It's a thing called submission that the world doesn't like to use that term anymore. But the Bible freely uses it. Even Jesus, it says that when he was 12 years old, he became subject to his mom and dad. Even though his, his knowledge had surpassed where they were, the requirement of God Almighty was still he worked and he had to honor his mother and father the days of his life. That would never change. Can you say amen? amen. And here we find this great future, future man of God. Amen. And he finds what I call the pulse of the Almighty. You know, it's interesting with Jethro, right? Jethro could have moved his church to downtown Egypt. Well, why do I got to be out here in the sticks? Why, why is my, I know God, I know the voice of God. I'll just, I'll just put it where I want it to be. No, you won't. Not if you want to walk with God, you won't. Sooner or later, you're going to figure out this is his kingdom. He's in charge, not you. And we're going to do this just exactly the way he says, or it's not going to work. Amen. And, and here Moses finds the power of God. Can you say amen? amen? Turn with me, if you would, please, to Acts chapter 7. Sorry, Acts chapter 3. Kind of got you all double-jointed over there, don't I? I'm kind of, if I hunt, I like a double-barrel shotgun. Amen? I want, I want bullets everywhere. Praise God. <laughs> Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Familiar set of verses says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man was lame from his mother's womb, who was carried, whom they laid daily at the temple, sorry, at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. Verse 3. To ask alms from those who entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask of alms. In other words, he's there, people are all coming in. He's asking, do you have anything? Can you bless me? Can you help me? You have to understand there's no government handouts here. The Romans sure don't care if you starve. Your, your hope is the people of God. Thank God for kind people. Can you say amen? amen. Uh, you know, I know everybody wants to flow in the gifts of the spirit and have great power. You'd be surprised how far kindness goes. Amen. A sweet neighbor. A kind lady. Amen. amen. Just a glass of water when people are going through things kind of thing. Praise God. Let's read on. Verse, verse uh, 5. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. So he took him by the hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Let's go eight as well. So he, leaping, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Isn't that great? You know what I like about that? Once he got his miracle, he didn't go home. He went into the temple and thank God. Sometimes people get their miracle, you hardly see them anymore. 
Amen. This man said, I'm going to go in the house. I'm going to praise for a while. Amen. I'll get home to mama soon enough. Praise God. But he, he worshiped. Here's, here's my question. Peter and John, what were they before Jesus met them? Fishermen. It's common people. I like to say he's a God of the common man. Don't make this so deep and spiritual that nobody can walk in it anymore. He's a God of the common man. Peter and John, they're on their way into the temple. What are they going to do when they go into the temple? Do you remember? They're going to pray. They're going, it's the hour of prayer, so they're going to pray. I think we can put that together. And on the way in, they see this man, he gets healed. Here's my question. Have they prayed yet? So they came to church with enough anointing already on them to help somebody else before they ever got in there. See, there's a part, if you come to always get from the house of God, then you don't always have something for everybody that you meet on the way. But if you come with servitude in your heart, I came to bless, I came to help, I came to make sure. See, Jesus taught them, you don't have to just get something all the time. You can come to be a blessing to somebody when you come to the house. Show up with some grace on your life. Show up with a little love in your heart. Show up with a little fruit in your life. Don't just wait for somebody else to do all all the spirit. Bring something with you when you come to the house of God. Now, you don't learn that in Egypt. In the world, the old, the old Pentecostals used to call this an upside down kingdom. Because the way up in the world is dog eat dog. I step on you. You step on me. Don't tell me you didn't work in it all week long. I know better than that. Hallelujah. You sure didn't drive on perfect roads all week with all perfect people. Tell me the world doesn't want to crawl in your car and talk to you. Unless Texas is different than Michigan. I don't think it's that holy down here. Hallelujah. But when... (laughs) When they met Jesus, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. But what was the Bible school? Peter, let's go fishing. Let's row through the night to get the boat to the other side for me. That's a funny looking Bible school to some people. Take the multitude and put them in groups of fifties and a hundred. Peter, I need you to go fishing for me. Oh, sure. No problem, Jesus. I'm a fisherman. No problem. I want you to catch me a fish. What I do, what kind? I want one with gold in its mouth. Well, that's a first. But in doing those simple commands and beginning to serve, as they begin to row through the night, as they began to touch the hem of his garment themselves, as they began to touch the anointing, they found the power, the pulse of the Almighty God. You know, I wonder what it was like when Peter came home in between meetings, as they say, after he walked on water. You know, I know our Catholic friends, they think, I guess they're our friends, I'm their friend. I don't know if they are mine, but I'm theirs. (laughs) They think that Peter was the first pope, meaning, you know, he was celibate, but Jesus healed his mother-in-law. There's only one way to get one that I know of. You don't go hire them at Walmart, hallelujah, or Home Depot. 
I wonder what it was like when that simple fisherman went home in between meetings and that few minutes, you know, my wife and I always talk just before you drop off. Anything special happen at the meetings, Peter? Uh-huh. We were like in the middle of the sea. I've been in that sea a thousand times. This huge storm and this body starts forming off in the distance and up it comes and it's, it's the master. So what'd you do? Well, you know me and my big mouth, honey. I uh, <laughs> said, said something stupid like I normally do. I said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. And he said, okay, come. Well, I couldn't not. <laughs> Simon, my brother's watching. I don't like him anyway, so out I went. <laughs> you know, brothers, hallelujah. But, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't make it far. But I touched the power of God for the first time in my life. I, my dad never did that. My uncles never did that. We never did that all the time I was on the sea. But I got, a, I got a taste of the power of God. And though he didn't hold it long, once you get a taste, once you get a touch of the power, once you see what it's like to live without the limitations of man, that you can't be held back anymore, that nobody that you, you know, nobody that he's ever met in his life has ever done this. And yet here he is touching the power of the Almighty. You know what his Bible school was? You have to be around the power of God if you want to see it manifest. You have to be around your Jethro if you want to be a Moses. You have to stay faithful to your Paul if you want to be Timothy. If you want to see Paul raised from the dead, you got to be there when he's getting persecuted a little bit. Can you say amen? amen. And in this simple, in this simple Bible school, in this simple Bible school, Peter found the power of the Almighty God. Because he decided he would show up with the power of God. You know where they learned that from? Jesus. I said it yesterday in the meetings talking about Stephen. When he got done preaching, the Bible says, and they were cut to the heart. And I found out where Peter, when he finished preaching in Acts 2, they were cut to the heart. It's the exact same phrase. And the Lord spoke to me. He he said, he said, Stephen picked it up from Peter. Peter learned it from Jesus. And he said, son, the things of the spirit are, they're caught. They're not taught. You have to get around a man or woman of God. You got to get, dive in. You got to get involved if you want to see what God can do with a life when it totally, absolutely belongs to him. Can you say amen? amen. Let's go to another verse. This is one of my all-time favorites in Exodus Chapter 27, verse 20. Exodus chapter 27, verse 20. Are you there? This is God talking to Moses, the pastor. And you shall command the children of Israel that they may bring you pure oil. Say pure. Pure. Pure oil of pressed olives. 
For why? Why, Brother Ray? For the light to cause the lamp to burn continually. In the tabernacle of meeting outside the veil, which is before the testimony, Aaron, that's the priest, and his son shall tend it, that's the light, from evening until morning before the Lord, it shall be a statute forever to their generations on behalf of the children of Israel. So what's the type and shadow of the Bible picture? The oil was type and shadow, of course, of the anointing, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Almighty God. The people were supposed to bring the oil with them when they came to the tabernacle, to the temple. In the Old Testament, especially that, you know, you'd have, sometimes if you, if you remember these older candles, that wick would run down into the oil and then it would draw that oil up. And then they light that and then that would light the whole room. What the Lord was saying is you tell the people that they bring oil with them every service. Why? That the priest can, can fill that container and that it causes light to burn way out in the wilderness as they traveled. Even in the middle of a dark place out in a barren area, God said, I need these people to bring oil so the priest can begin to function and take care of the light. What's the light? The gospel is the light of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. So many times we've tried to make the most important thing just what happens here in the pulpit, but the pulpit can't function if nobody brings the oil to keep the lamp burning. That there has to be an anointing that the people bring. That's what Peter and John learned from walking with Jesus for those three, three and a half years. I have a responsibility to bring the oil with me when I come to church. I have an obligation from the Almighty. God's expected me not to just show up, but to show up with the word in my heart. Show up, prayed up for the house of God. Show up with the gift for the people of God. Show up to, in order to have something to bless somebody with. Not just, you know, when we think of blessing, a lot of time we think of money. But, you know, sometimes just a hug. Sometimes a handshake. Sometimes some encouragement. You know, sometimes people are just going through stuff. Just dealing with stuff. Life isn't just always fun. Amen? How nice it is to come to the house of God and feel wanted. I was telling a pastor yesterday over lunch and the, the team that was with us, one of my greatest memories is my, my, when I first started coming to church at Living Word, which is where Dr. Mark Barclay pastors. He's my pastor. I've been with pastor since 1987. And my son Nathan was newborn and, and he had a, a muscle in, in his stomach that wasn't fully developed. If you set him down wrong, everything came out. Wasn't pretty. But I remember the first time we checked him into the nursery and I handed him over the door. They had like a little half door so none of the little blessings got out. Hallelujah. And I handed him over the door. (laughs) They equipped them little weasels. Hallelujah. (laughs) Handed him over the door. And this lady, her name was Marge Munt. She grabbed him and she whipped around. She said, Look, everybody, a new member of the body of Christ in Living Word Church, isn't he beautiful? And I thought, no, he's mine. We got so many problems, we're so beat up, I I don't have 10 cents to my name. And Marge Munt made me feel wanted. And I went upstairs and I sat down by my wife in the church and I said, they want us here, honey. It's not just pastor, this this church, these people, they want us. 
I'm sorry sometimes for what the church has turned into. Because I don't think it's always what the Holy Spirit intended and, and Jesus intended it to be. Because the way up in the kingdom is still down. The uh, promotion comes from serving other people and from being a blessing. The, the greatest thing you can do is hit your knees in the morning and get the presence of a holy God on you. Amen. Uh, there was a group of ministers way back in the day and missionaries that had been called back off the field. They wanted to put them through a Bible college and educate them. And they asked them to sit down and write their vision. And all these young ministers wrote out these long flowing visions. And this missionary out of the African continent showed up. He had dirt on his shoes. He had been out in the bush for years at a time. And they said, what's your vision? And he wrote one word on his paper and he turned it in, said others. What's your vision? Others. I want to help somebody not go to hell. I want to help somebody receive the anointing that I've received. I want, I want to row through the night so my pastor can cast a demon out of a man on the other side of the sea. I don't care what it costs me. I just want to touch somebody with the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? I told the congregation yesterday, one of my favorite sermons was preached by a little 12-year-old girl whose father had been an alcoholic, and they ran into some of her old dad's drinking buddies. And um, they said, you know, little girl, well, did, your, did Jesus turn water into wine in your house? You know, alcoholics beginning to mock. Jesus turned water into wine in your house? And the little girl looked at him and said, no, Jesus turned wine into food. My dad doesn't waste his paycheck. Jesus turned wine into heat because they don't cut off our power anymore. Jesus turned wine into peace. Mom and dad don't fight anymore. You show me a savior like that, who is our Jesus. He can have my last dollar. He can keep me up till the middle of the night. I'll do anything to see people get delivered. But you have to show up with the power. You have to show up with the glory already on you. You have to come with some oil. Say some oil. Raise your hand. Close your eyes, everybody. Say, Lord, give me some oil. That I might touch people people. with the power power. of your great spirit. spirit. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, I said it before, I'll say it again. There's only one thing that breaks yokes off of people's lives. That's the anointing. There's not one and a half. There's not 1.5. There's not the anointing plus this, the anointing other than that. It's the anointing of Jesus Christ. And I've learned over the course of time, and that's what these verses show, is that God doesn't want to just use one person. It takes every person. When the Holy Spirit came in in the book of Acts, he filled the whole, whole house. He touched every person. He filled every person with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you think, well, I'm working in the nursery. There's no move of God back here. It smells too bad to have a move of God back here. (laughs) My wife works with the children in our area, and she began to sit down, and she was trying to teach the kids about the Bible and how it works. So she said, you notice there's different names, you know, five, six-year-old kids. There's different names now in different books of the Bible. And she she started counting out Legos. She said, now, just like all these Legos are all different, she started fitting them and piecing them all together into one thing. She said, just like that, God began to take the scriptures from the different authors, and he put it all together, and it's all one book, boys and girls. You can trust this. It's all designed by the head of the church. 
every word in here is from the Holy Spirit. Man doesn't think of that. This same spirit, see, the same spirit that works with pastor wants to begin to work with the people under pastor. The same spirit that helps brother so-and-so heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, wants to go back and hug a kid today in the nursery and to be a blessing to a mother that's stressed out and things are difficult and there's arguments in the car on the way to the house of God or when you get to the church. Amen. Because everything isn't just perfect in everybody's life. But that anointing comes. That anointing comes. And the power of God begins to change people's lives and break them. You know what I think one of the most oppressive yokes is? Is the expectation of man. The expectations of man. Everybody trying to, am I this, am I that, and and. This, who's thinking what about me? You know, I always think about Joshua, right? Joshua's up there. Aaron and her are taking care of the Moses, holding his arms up, and that's a great picture. But Joshua doesn't get arm-holding duty. Joshua's down there fighting the Amalekites. Now, I love everybody, but I relate to Joshua. When you're Joshua, you're a little bit more dependent on the anointing than the guy up there. How's your arm, Pastor? Look, I'm dying down here. Can you, like, I'll chuck a spirit at you at myself. Hallelujah. Hold the man's arms up. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just real. I told him yesterday, if you're waiting for somebody big and smart and deep Greek and Hebrew, that's not me. I just, where the rubber meets the road. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But in all of that, Consider this, Aaron and her holding up Moses' arms, they're never going to be the commander of the Lord's army. Joshua is. Joshua's down there in the valley fighting for his life, trying to bring victory. And without even knowing it, Pastor Moses is preparing him for his call and his future. But at the time, it just seems so demanding. It seems like I'm doing double duty as everybody else. It seems like my responsibilities are twice as much. But in the middle of that, even in what we call the ministry of helps, Moses is preparing Joshua for his future. And he doesn't even, Joshua doesn't even realize it yet. That he's going to have to take this thing over one day. And Moses is beginning to do two things. One, get the people used to relating to his leadership. Two, getting Joshua ready to be the leader that he's supposed to be. There's a lot of things happening in the ministry of helps that people just don't get. But all of it's for the same purpose. God is trying to get our hands on the pulse of the power of God and get us ready for our assignment for what we do. Can you say amen? Amen. I'm going to give you one more verse and uh, we'll wrap up. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 22. I tend to give this to people all over the place, so. 2229. Let me sow this to you. Do you see a man who excels in his work? 
He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. I've been challenging people lately. Find me any apostle and tell me what the commonality was between all 12 when Jesus found them. You know what they were all doing? Working. You can't find a lazy bum among them. A little different than society teaches. There wasn't any of them asking for a handout. There wasn't any of them begging. There wasn't any of them on the government dollar sitting around doing nothing. When Elijah found Elisha, he was farming. Amen. Gideon, Gideon was working. Moses was taking care of the sheep. You can't find any exceptions to the rule. Now, you will find some we don't know their upbringing. Right? With Elijah, Elisha, we don't know the, the, the background of Elijah, but we know Elisha's. It seems to me God, God knows to hire people who are already busy working. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. I tell people all the time, what are you doing with what you have now? You, you want your dream. You want your future. You want whatever everybody does. God is into stewardship. What are you doing with what you've already been given? The late John Osteen, him and his wife, Dodie, he's gone to heaven now. Uh, they were sitting around one night and Pastor Osteen said, said to Sister Dodie, he said, he said, oh, Dodie, said, I love you so much. I just wish I had a thousand arms to hold you with. Dodie looked over and said, John, I don't care about your thousand arms. What are you going to do with the two you got? <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Amen. I love when people make things real. He, he, Pastor Osteen said, he said, you care people prophesying who you should marry and not. He said, when I met Dodie, I didn't need a prophet. Amen. He said the same thing, man. When I saw Janine, I didn't need a word from God. Hallelujah. Woo. Do you know, my son, Nathan, he went away to flight school, wanted to be a pilot all of his life. And he graduated flight school about that time. The economy tanked, right? Right around 2007, 2008. And he was a flight instructor at 19, all his commercial ratings. But the school was, was losing so many students that, that they had to lay off all of their flight instructors except for just a handful. So out of like 300 instructors, he finally, he made down to like the last 50, but then they had to let him go. So he took a job in a plastics plant and he was working his future fiance lived down in Cincinnati. So he had two choices, come back to Midland with his dad or move to where she was and find work. I'm just not that cute, I guess. So he ended up down, <laughs> he ended up down in Cincinnati, but down there in Cincinnati, took a job at a plastics plant. They were supposed to take these plastics and from a raw material and, and spin them into a roll. You were supposed to do so many of these every, every hour and fill like 12 to 15 different pallets. So he's, he's working away and he calls me and, and uh, he was pretty discouraged. His dream isn't happening. And uh, he said, Dad, what am I going to do? He said, I hate working here. Uh, the guys that work here, you know, they're, they're, their lives aren't good. They're falling apart. The problems, drugs, they're cussing, swearing. And I said, yeah. There's a part of life as a Christian man I never wanted my kids to know about. But you can't keep them in a bubble. You just have to build them strong enough so they don't crash when they get there. Amen. 
I like one that takes a strong man to make a strong man. Raise strong children. Raise strong children. You can't hide them from the world, but you can build them strong enough to make it when they get there. Can you say amen? So Nate was down there and he's called me and he's telling me all of these stories. And, and uh, he's, he's, I said, look, Nate, here's the thing. Here's how it works. Don't be like them. If you think like them, you'll be them in a short period of time. That's how it works. That, that stupid thinking will get on you. He said, what do I do? I said, bust your butt. Pardon the bluntness. I said, work. Work, get in there, work, work hard. This verse was given to me by an old prophet when I first started working in the ministry. And this is, that's what he said. He, I said, you know, God, I don't have any, no one's calling, no one wants me to preach. You told me to preach, but nothing's happening. And this old prophet named Dick Mills gave me this verse. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, son, you can't control what everybody around you do. What's in front of you? I said, well, I'm working for Brother Barclay. He said, then do it. Don't do, get good at it. Get great at it. Master every sphere of it, every part of it. Master it. So people would call and, and I would write numbers down and do things and stretch myself and go into other duties. And, and that began to open one door at a time until I, I'm here today. So when my son called, see, these things work. Right. The wisdom of God works. My son called and I, he said, you know, I don't like what I'm in. I said, OK, I understand that. Here's your verse. And so he went to work and he came in early, read the manual through the processing machine. He figured a few things out. And when he got there one day, he's he's running 12, 15 pallets a, an hour like everybody else. And he bumps up to 17 an hour. 17 turns to 20, 20 turns to 22, 20 turns to, turns to 25 an hour. He's averaging. One day he shows up for work and all the vice presidents that work in that factory have left their offices and they're standing around this processing machine to watch this skinny, skinny kid double everybody else's output because they can't figure it out. And one of the vice presidents hired him as a personal assistant. He never had to work the factory again. Do you see a man who's diligent in his tasks? You want to go somewhere in God? What are you doing with what you got right now? Are you showing up with some grace, with some anointing? When you have to work in a department, can they count on you? Are you there every time, not a lot of times, every time? If you don't, do you find somebody to take your place? Do you, you know what I'm talking about? Because God's in the stewardship. And he's expecting every last one of us, folks, not just the preacher, to show up with the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I promise you, because it's in the word of God, if you want to become a fisher of men, you want to go somewhere in God. And I don't, everybody isn't called to the fivefold ministry, but you want to go further in God than what you are. Take inventory of what you're doing with what you currently have. What, what are you doing with what God's already given you? I told the, the brothers yesterday, you know, you get talking at lunch. I share all my different stories with um, the first time Dr. Barkley ever got in my car, it was a little car, one very fancy. And the pastor got in, we were running some errands and he, uh, I said, pastor, I'm sorry. It's not a very nice car. And, and, uh, but it's the best I can afford right now. And he said, I don't care that it's not fancy, Ray. Could you vacuum it? <laughs> well, I didn't have a garage and a shop vac and all of that. And he said, do they have a vacuum at the, at the car wash? What's it cost? I said, 50 cents. He said, do you have 50 cents? I said, yeah. He said, then it's not a money problem, is it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stewardship. Yeah. 
What are you doing with what you've already got? What are you doing with God, what God has already given you? What are you, you got 24 hours. What are you doing with them when you get them? What, who are you helping? Who are you blessing? Are you showing up at the church with some grace? And you bring the power of God with you when you get there. Pastor, I came today. I got some healing in my hands. I mean, who need, who's sick? I'm going to find me a sick person somewhere. I'm praying for somebody. Hallelujah. I, I like, you, you know, who's got a demon? Show me somebody with a demon. I like casting out demons. Don't foam up now. This would be a bad time for you. Hallelujah. Amen. Raise your hand. Let me pray for you. I'm going to turn the service back over. Lord, you said it best. Without you, we can do nothing. Without you, we can do nothing. But with you, with you, with you, say with you, with you, Lord, we can do all things. I say it, Lord, you really didn't meet Peter. You met Simon, a lost, failing fisherman. And you made Peter. You really never even met Paul, the apostle. You met Saul, the murdering fool. And you made Paul out of him. Lord, you, this ray bench, these people see today, you know, this isn't the ray bench you met. Ray bench was living in a trailer, failing at everything. Nothing worked. Like Moses, I, 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 I had no idea how to make any of this go. But ushering, serving, working, sound systems, early mornings, late nights, rowing through the night, I found the power of your great spirit. Lord, open us now. Open our future, open our tomorrows. May we become great at what we have today. At what we have today. That we might rise and conquer our enemies. It is not the day of the Antichrist. It is the day of Jesus Christ. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap, Pastor. Thank you for your time. Hallelujah.